Hello, everyone. Welcome to Animated Excellence. I'm your host, Anakit, and today my guest star is Maddie. Say hi. Hi, I'm Maddie. Yes, we're doing a movie <laughs> today, I think. I don't know. Yes, I've never done a are. movie on this show before. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> today we're doing the Lego Movie 2, um, and I think this is a good movie to do because um, it really went under the radar when it came out. Like, a lot of people forgot it existed, including me. I didn't know it existed. Really? But I think, yeah, but you were the one who suggested that our friend group go see it in the theater, and that's how I remembered it was even existing. Yeah, it got, a, like, a lot less attention than the um, the first part. In fact, like, the, mm. the Lego Movie 2, I think, it only had, like, a worldwide, um, like... Uh, a worldwide uh, like gross of like 200 million I think whereas the yeah, first got, got like 400 like half million the first one yeah <laughs> um, apparently they lost money off of it which is not cool Oof. that's not awesome hey <laughs> uh, everything's Tying not awesome whoops yeah Lego sold the movie rights to Universal so they're not going to be any more Lego movies as uh. we know them so I don't know I feel we'll like see. that's sad, but also kind of healthy for the series. Hey, like when something, when there's a good movie, too many people make like too many versions of it. And it's just, it kind of ruins the nostalgia of the first ones. Exactly. I think that's part of the reason this movie, like not a lot of people saw it. Cause then we got like Lego Ninjago, Lego Batman, and mm -hmm. people were like, ugh, too many Lego movies. So that's also maybe a reason why this didn't do well. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, Lego Batman movie was good, and I was excited to see a second one. And that's probably canceled because Warner owns the rights to Batman. Mm. Wow, that's depressing. Ah. I don't want to talk about that. Let's just pretend that it's still happening. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just like the Minion movie, which you are oh, still... Oh, yeah, today... Excuse me, I'm going to go on a tirade. You okay. reminded me to do the tirades. This is your fault. Oh, no. Um, today, we are mourning the loss of a very important film, which would have come out today if it had not been for the dastardly coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. Oh, no. Minions 2, The Rise of Gru. Excuse me, I will not have you disrespect it with your sarcasm. <laughs> this is very, very serious. We will have a moment of silence to honor this great masterpiece. <laughs> okay, that was fun. Moment of silence over. Okay. Anyway. It is serious, though. Okay. To anyone who doesn't know Anakit, he's had, like, the countdown on his phone for, like, 500 days for this movie. A so, long time, a yes. A very long time. He's been... Because I am the number one Minions fan in mm -hmm. the world. You have to understand that. Uh, over on my YouTube channel that I stopped doing for a while because I've been doing this, I actually released a video um, called Top 10 Minions The Rise of Gru Theories. Now, it was simultaneously making fun of the movie as well as making fun of uh, Top 10 videos. And keep in mind, my channel has 33 subscribers. That video has over 2,000 views. Wow, someone's gone viral. Yeah, so we can tell what rakes in the views. My actual quality content or minions. Well, we all know everyone's coming to your channel, Anakit, for the minions. That's what's important, okay? Yep. That, that's, so that's, that's what people want to see, minions. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the people have spoken. I will now upload daily Minions theories content. Got Thank it. you, everybody. Okay, we should talk about the movie we're supposed to be talking about. Probably, yeah. <laughs> A good movie. Um, the Lego Movie 2, the second part, the redundant title, which I like. Um, so let's start with our first of four categories, story and characters. What do you think of the story and characters? Um, so one thing that I really appreciated about the second part is that there's like a clear storyline from the first to the second. Like, this mm-hmm. is one of the only sequels where I feel like a sequel actually makes sense. Like, it's a continuation of the same characters, except where are Vit- Vitruvius, President Business, and Bad Cop? Okay, I know President Business has some lines, but, like, all three of those characters were dearly missed. Okay, excuse me. There was a really quick sight gag at the very beginning where Vitruvius gets knocked out. It's I there. Know. They just gloss over it, though. Like, he is, like, one of the funniest characters. And I was so sad when I didn't see him in the second one. The one I missed most, although, yes, I definitely did miss uh, Vitruvius. I really missed Bad Cop. Mm-hmm. Like... A highlight of the first movie, which is one of my favorite movies, by the way. The first one, if I had a ranking of all my favorite movies, like, that's my second favorite movie favorite movie of all time. Just saying. I love mm. the first movie. And yeah. so a highlight of one of my favorite movies, so you have to know this is good. I loved whenever Liam Neeson was trying so hard not to swear. There were so many parts where he was like, darn, darn, darny, darn. And it was so funny. Yeah. Um, and then, all, according to the directors, whenever he was recording his lines, um, he would switch between good cop and bad cop, like, in the same, like, sentence. Like, they told him he they could just change it in editing. But no, he actually did the switches on his own. And it was wow. priceless. It was great. And oh he's not gosh. in this one. I know. So it's that's so great. sad. I think that... Don't but they let's make, talk like, about what is in this movie. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, yeah, we should, I keep feel, I, I guess that's a reason why people didn't see this. There's so much stuff that's like missing. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, what, what did we like about this? It's still really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a lot of really good lines, um, just general humor. They make fun of plot tropes and stuff mm-hmm. um, with like, um, I'm trying to think. Rex Danger Vest. He has the the one of his cool gadgets that are weird. Like he has these funny names for it, like the yeah. Implositron or the Convenient Plot Device. Yes, and I just love that little detail. The movie is just so self aware. Um, I was mm. like going through and watching it. I have like a list of every single kind of like just way that the movie kind of breaks the fourth wall almost. And mm. another thing with like Rex Danger Vest. Did you see? Okay. On the wall of his ship, I don't remember what it's called, but did you see the second he walks in? It says, like, 16 plus. Does like, it? a reference to, like, um, Finn growing up and, like, now that Rex Danger Vest is so cool, this is, like, Finn, like, maturing and, you know, having all of these cool toys that are 16 plus, you know? They're <laughs> they're too cool for little kids. I just find that oh, like Oh, like the age ratings on the boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I really, I think I missed that sight gag. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of details and stuff like that that you pick up on second viewings. Another, okay, actually, no, that's a, something for animation. I'll get to that later. But um, 
I like how they kind of naturally progress the story to focus on the relationship between the brother and the sister. Mm -hmm. And there's like clever little details in how the characters interact with each other that are represent that are representative of the real life situation between the brother and sister. Like for example, how the characters are all quote unquote brainwashed when really it's just the sister playing with them. Yeah. Um, clever little details like that. I appreciated. And also the reveal that the queen... Okay, nope, that's spoilers, spoilers. again. Spoilers, spoilers! Yep, never mind. Well, yep. I think, like, adding on to that, it's also cool how, like, kind of all of the characters and, um, pieces in the story, you can catch, like, um, when they show, like, the real world, like, um... Uh, General Mayhem, her entire outfit is the same color as, like, the, um, Bianca shoes. And, like, um, oh. uh, there was another part where, you know the banana, uh, mm-hmm. that's played by John Ralphio from Parson Rec, which is yeah. hilarious. Um, he, uh, the, like, banana guy, when they show Bianca's phone, like, as, like, the entertainment center, one of the songs, um, the album cover is the banana guy. Which is just <laughs> another really cool, like, you know, it's showing how this world that we're seeing is inspired by, like, two real people, which I just thought it was so interesting and, like, really awesome little additions to Spot in, in the movie. I've seen this movie at least five times. How have you picked up all of these, but, and I haven't? <laughs> I got... What? Okay, I absolutely love the Lego movie and the Lego movie, too. And um, yesterday when I was, like going through and like making my notes for this i paused it and rewinded it so many times that there are so many useless things that i see in the movie that like really have no impact on the storyline whatsoever but i just find so cool i just geeked out over this movie for like these movies are really good with the details although i remember catching more in the first one Mm -hmm. um because like they had all those superheroes there's a bit in the first one where a pig fell from the sky and then when it landed, it turned into a bunch of sausages. Do you remember that gag? No, I don't. Well, wait. It was in the background of one shot. It was really hard to catch, but like I caught it on the director's commentary. By the way, I've listened to the full director's commentary on both of these movies. I've uh, never okay. done that on any other movie before. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and they're really entertaining, so yes, highly recommend. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the story. They did a good job with it. Um, yes. Cool. Um, so let's move on to visuals and animation, which these movies are, uh, sorry, I dropped something. These movies are very strong in. So what do you think of the visuals? I thought, like, one of the things that I absolutely love about this movie is the attention to detail. And, like, just looking at the different Legos, like, fingerprint patterns, scratches, like, the stickers being consistent with real Legos, the little, like, Lego, um like logo and something that made me just like so happy was when they like put the lego friends in the way they walk like their legs aren't moving it's just like it's such a cool (laughs) detail because i played with lego friends all the time as a kid and that like it's just like it's just beautiful i know this isn't particularly like you know just the animation like it really is just like how they're portraying the characters but i just think it's so cool 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I really liked the lighting in these movies. I know that's such a weird specific yes, thing to point out. Yes, me too. I have a note about but that. But the lighting is so pretty. It like, is. I remember the one scene where, like, for example, um, the scene where, like, Emmett is building his house into a ship and it's like the sunset. I really just geeked out over those colors because it looked so nice. Yeah. And I remember watching, like, some interview or behind the scenes material. Uh, on the first one, where they said that they were legitimately trying to make it, like, realistic lighting and stuff. And I thought that was just so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I my favorite scene for lighting was, like, um, the Not Evil song. And then, like, oh, it just yeah, goes that was into a really that, like, blue waterfall kind of thing. And it's just sparkly and really cool. And they have all the different scenes and the lighting changes. I just think that's really, it's a really pretty scene. Yeah, it is really pretty. Also, the song is a, a bop. The soundtrack is great. I've listened to the soundtrack on repeat multiple times. I have done that before. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm not ashamed to admit it on this publicly accessible podcast. Maybe I didn't think saying that through. Whatever. (laughs) This is fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think it's pretty strong on a visual front. You mentioned the thumbprints. I... I caught the thumbprints on my first viewing. When I saw that, I was like, whoa. I didn't even like the movie that much on my first viewing, but even then I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of cool background visual gags throughout all of these movies, Mm -hmm. but by far my favorite one, it's in the credits, which are also gorgeous. I think this is the best credit sequence out of any movie. Yeah. Um, There's a part, and it's really small, and it's really... It's like in the background, you have to pause to see it. Blink if you blink and you miss it. But there is a built brick built figurine of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton holding hands. I saw that. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. It was great, and the song is all up. And the movie is generally all about different people coming together. Um, yeah, and I just thought that was great. I know. This I had to pause so and hilarious. really look at it to make sure, but there's no other explanation. That definitely was it. I know, I know. It was so funny. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that's a good gag. And there's a lot of other sight gags um, mm-hmm. throughout these movies, and that's what makes them kind of special. So yeah. that's cool. Um, so the next category is wait, voice wait, wait. acting. I have, a, I, have a, I have another thing for this category. It's very important. Not really, but I just wanted to say it. Okay, can we take a moment to appreciate how truly amazing the, the animation sequences for the Ultra Kitty are? And, um, like, Queen whatever Wanabi. Like, how mm-hmm. fluid that looks for them dealing with just blocks. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't get over, like, watching those scenes. Like, just how gorgeously, like, like the transitions are between each of her poses. Sorry, that's, like, just something I wanted to add. We can go to the next category. I just, uh, I just need to take a moment to appreciate how good the animation was, for, like, for both of those characters. My thing on Unikitty, um, or Ultra Caddy, as she is in this movie, there is a shot, like, when they're getting the spa day or whatever in the, uh, the, the temple. You know what, what scene it is. Yeah. When they, when she first gets like, I don't know, I, I've never been to a spa. I don't know what these things are called. But like when her uh, fur puffs up, yes. there's a really good shot of that in there. Yeah, <laughs> it looks so good. And everything is brick built. Everything in the movie, except in this movie when certain sequences like are made of other things. Mm-hmm. But most things in this movie are brick built. Like there's some scenes of like motion blur, uh, and I think 
I don't remember which movie, but there's like, if you pause and there's motion blur and the motion blur itself is made out of Legos. Yeah. It's so clever. They do a really good job with these. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on to voice acting, uh, this used to be in previous episodes, I used to call this category other creative elements, but I quickly realized that that was too broad to actually facilitate any real discussion. Mm-hmm. So I just branded it down to voice acting because so, that's kind of important. And that's really important on this one because they really did a great job with the voice cast on these movies. Yes, yeah. Um, like Chris Pratt, if you've seen him on Parks and Rec, you know he's the perfect choice for Emmett. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely amazing. Um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks does a pretty good job with Wild Style. She's not, you know, the greatest voice actor in the world, but she does a pretty good job with her character. Um, but, like, who are some highlights on this movie? Um, Nick Offerman, also on Parks and Rec. <laughs> there are a lot of Parks and Rec people in this movie. Yeah. Did you notice that? I didn't it's, notice You it. have Chris Pratt, you have Nick Offerman, you have Ben Schwartz, and I'm pretty sure, I think that's it, but still. It took me a while to notice it until, like, you print, you pointed it out. But once I noticed it, it was just like, oh, my gosh, there are. Yeah. And, like, in Parks and Rec, I find it so hilarious that in all of the Halloween episodes, Ron Swanson, who is played by Nick Offerman, always dresses up as a pirate. <laughs> and now in this movie, he plays a pirate. Yeah. Uh, that's That's funny. I liked that bit. Even though they're completely different characters, they have that same thing in common. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my favorite voice actor in this has to be um, Tiffany Haddish as um, Queen Whenevera Wanabi. Yeah. She did a great job with this character. She, you could tell she had so much fun doing it. Yeah, she did awesome. Um, awesome and job. she could actually sing. Like, wow. She, like sometimes you know you get actors who can't sing so they auto-tune the heck out of them but like the voice performance seemed natural and it actually came across really good Mm -hmm. so that was cool um and that was also good because our character has like two songs in this movie is this movie a musical does it count well they make like references to it being a musical like like i I mean there's like four songs in the actual movie so maybe we should have like a debate. I think this is going to be like a debate for like decades on. Like is Die Hard a Christmas movie and now is the Lego movie to a musical? This is going to be a petty debate for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So now finally for the part that I can't keep waiting for. Spoilers. Because I've spo- almost spoiled this at least twice already. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes, so if you haven't seen the movie, click off so that, you know, you don't get spoiled um, by this review. Um, But this movie has an ending. (laughs) Um, See, the problem with this, I mean, it's a good ending. It's a good movie. Mm -hmm. But the problem is certain parts of this ending, you can't tell whether or not you're supposed to take it seriously. Yeah. Or it's it's, supposed to be a funny moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, for example, when they're all getting put into the bin of storage, which I guess is a funny name, so that's cluing us somewhere. 
Um, that's supposed to be like a dramatic scene in the way that the colors are and the music is, but then they're all making jokes during it. And I'm like, is this supposed to be a dramatic scene or a happy, funny scene? I can't tell. Yeah. Um, I just, when I saw this in the theater with you guys, I was like, what, what is happening? Yeah. It was kind of confusing. Yeah, I remember there was a part. This was a really dark joke. Um, when Abraham Lincoln said, "I have theater tickets tonight," <laughs> yes! before he gets sucked into the thing, I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and when um, when a uh, surfer Dave is like, "It's Purgatory Dave now." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love uh, that gag. No, it's not Surfer Dave. It's Chainsaw oh, Dave, sorry. and then it's Purgatory yes, Dave. Yes. Wow! Can't believe you can't get your Lego Movie Two lore right. I know. Maddie. I know. Get it right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm obviously kidding. But yeah, um, that was a weird scene, and also the scene where Rex kind of disappears at the end. Yeah. So. Like that's also the same deal like what is going on yeah i mean okay i have a lot to say about the ending um one the time travel like storyline i think personally it doesn't make as much sense in the context of this kids movie because like the time travel in in this like universe that's supposed to be like parallel to the um like finn and bianca's world like it's supposed to be kind of uh their like make-believe world you know going back in time doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think of it like that and yeah they kind of crippled themselves in that way because of yeah. the time travel it just doesn't um, it doesn't make as much sense as an ending like i i watched it back and there were so many like twists at the end where i was like okay the movie's over wait no it's not okay it's over now wait no it's not like it just it's it gets a bit confusing at the end yeah, the whole thing, I've watched it like five times at this point because I like this movie. Mm-hmm. And the time travel always confuses me. The first time I watched it in the theater, I was like, oh, that's a neat twist. But then wait, how did that, what, how does that work? It would, like with the context of the characters and the world that it is paralleling the human world, how does the time travel work? Mm-hmm. But like, so like you could argue that it's Finn's imagination, which I guess is a fair point. But then how is it still Emmett? Is what? Yeah, and how does Emmett not know any of this if, like, like, to me, like, he seems to be Finn's, like, protagonist. Like, I I don't, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think the writers even knew this didn't make sense because they tried to write their way out of it saying, yeah, this time travel thing's confusing. You don't need to understand it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I need to understand this. What? (laughs) Why can't I understand this children's movie? I need to understand Ah, it. (laughs) If a child can't understand it, how am I supposed to? What? (laughs) Wait, that's the other way around. If I don't understand it, how does a child understand it what yeah what am i saying at this point am i confusing now okay Uh, no but there are so many like unanswered questions at the end like i have a list first how does wild style even know that emmett's in the undar like of the dryer system like how does she know he's there he never mentions it rex never mentions it that's what you call a plot hole i know and then okay and then the whole reason that emmett turns into rex is that he's angry that they didn't come back for him one, wasn't he going to rescue Wildstyle in the first place? So wouldn't it make sense in his head 
that, hey, they didn't come for me because they were in danger and I failed to rescue them. Like, why does that now spark him to be all upset about Wildstyle and angry at her? And if that's why he turned into Rex, why does he then at the end try and prevent Wildstyle from reaching Emmett? There's no motivation for him to just want Emmett to be angry if he sees that Wildstyle's actually trying. No, okay, that one makes sense because, like, as you can see, when Wildstyle does save him, he disintegrates and he dies. But he wants to be, I don't know, evil or whatever, or make Emmett grown up and edgy and stuff. Okay, this movie, yeah, that that just creates more questions than it does answers. But I can kind of see where he was coming from on that. Yeah. But yeah, the rest of those are, like, weird. It has, like, a bunch of weird plot, plot holes, but I think I just kind of forgive them because I think the writing is funny. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, so you can excuse it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, anyway, also, so, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to close out, but did you say something? I have so, okay, my, I made too many notes on this. Um, I just think, like, the symbolism that's in this movie is, like, really, really interesting. Um, cause, like, you know, it's cool that they go from Duplo to, like, Lego friends, like, to show that Bianca's maturing and that she's getting older and that, like, they make a lot of references, um, that Rex does. He goes from a master builder to a master breaker, and he talks about having to connect to, like, grown-up feelings, like, regret and abandonment. It, like, I think that's really a, a big symbol for, like, how Finn is, like, hitting puberty and he's just starting to, like, push Bianca away and like he talks about there's like a line in the movie about like listening to like music to like drown everything else out I don't really remember who said it or like in what context it was but I just think like if you look at if you go back and watch some of the scenes and look at how like there's subtle differences between this one and the first one it's just really cool how they're taking the characters of like Finn and Bianca and showing their maturity in like a not very obvious way I I just found that interesting yeah I agree that was some stuff and also I kind of feel like uh, one of the main themes of the movie apart from growing up and stuff it was also a thing of like divisiveness and stuff Mm -hmm. we live in an extremely divisive culture especially in like politics and stuff like I referenced Trump and Hillary in the background of one shot. But like, even in politics and the grown up world, um, everything's just so divisive. Um, Everybody's angry at each other for some reason or another. Mm -hmm. And this movie is all about coming together and putting our differences aside. One of the songs on the soundtrack, and it's not in the movie, but it's in the credits. It's literally called Come Together Now. You couldn't be less subtle about that. Yeah. But... But I think that's a really good message and one that's really needed today. And also one of the many reasons why I'm sad that not a lot of people saw this movie. Yeah. And if you haven't seen this movie, uh, A, why are you still listening? B, go see the darn movie already. What are you doing here? Watch it now. That's um, true. That's true. I, I, yeah. Okay, really quickly, before we close out, you can edit this out if you want to. But I have two things that I think just deserve to, to be pointed out because they're just really weird. Um, one, why is Bianca walking around her house with a purse and shoes on? Like, being a little girl who had a purse, I never just walked around playing with a purse. Or, like, 
wore shoes. This is a dumb thing for me to point out, but, like, it just seems so unnatural. And she just goes and sits at the end of her bed when she's upset. She just sits there. She doesn't do anything. (laughs) She's just sitting (laughs) on her bed. Like, it's just, like, some of, like, the real-life scenes just seem really unnatural. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, of course, Mm -hmm. those might be normal things that other people do, but, like, it just seems unnatural. I don't know. And Okay, and what's your second I found a plot hole. Not a plot hole. A uh, continuity error. Uh, Yes, you texted me saying you were really excited about it. What was it? So, um... In the scene where Wildstyle's hiding under that, like, ship, and she's trying to find, um, uh, like, where, figure out where they're going, she sees Emmett and Rex in that, like, block sorter transport thing. Mm. So they show the, one of the scanning, uh, ships that's going through the blocks, and it shows that it's right at the green bucket of bricks, and, um, Mm. which is the one that, uh, Emmett and Rex are in. And then it cuts to wild style, and it cuts back to the scanner, and it's, like, way on a different color all the way down. So she has time to jump in. I just thought that was weird, and when I noticed it, I was like, wait, hey, 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 that's not supposed to happen. But yeah. <laughs> okay, I can kind of see why they animated it like that to give some tension, but okay, yeah, that is that is a continuity error. Yeah. Um, but I didn't notice it, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks for listening to this episode. Um, follow us if you're listening on Spotify or another platform that has following. I don't know what else has following. Um, but yeah, cool. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at a time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.